Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to goodranchers.com slash Allie for a discount. That's goodranchers.com slash Allie. All right, I am so excited for you guys to hear my interview with Phil Robertson and Al Robertson. We're going to talk about his testimony and what his life has looked like over the past several decades since the Lord saved him. We're also going to talk about this stunning story of him recently meeting his daughter that he did not know that he had. I mean, it's really amazing and very emotional. I know you guys are going to be encouraged by this. So without further ado, here is our conversation. Thank you all so much for joining me. I'm in your lair, your area, not my typical relatable studio. So I appreciate y'all letting me host an episode um, in this studio. Now, before we were talking on y'all's podcast, how there is a movie being produced right now about your life. And you were saying that it's embarrassing. Can you expound a little bit more on that? Well, if you if you do a little survey, we talking in these mics? Yep. If we do a little always better with the mice. Yeah, if we do a little survey, what you'll find is most. I I I just noticed something as the years have been going by. I came to Jesus. I was twenty eight. Well, as I began to convert people, I I would say, "How old are you?" And they would say, twenty eight. They would say, thirty one, thirty, twenty nine, twenty eight, twenty seven. 30, 31, I noticed they would all begin to collect in that age group. Mm. So I wondered about it, and I think what I came up with, my thoughts could be wrong, is that by the time you reach about 30, if you are like I was, I call it like a dog chasing his tail, you go round and round and round, but you're not getting anywhere. Life is not kind at all. Well, by that time, you've built a substantial track record that you can check how your life has been going. You're 29 now. Uh, Plus, probably some would say, uh, I think you should have known better to do that. You're 29 years old, for crying out loud. So what it's about that age, about 30, where your life is a track record, you look back at it, and you say... I'm 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 not I'm not get getting it. I'm I'm not there yet. I'm mm. something is wrong. Yeah. So I think that's why. But they do the movie, so they kind of had to catch the the uh, negative part of my life up to 28, mm-hmm. and then the positive from there to 75. And I was about nine years old, Allie. So my perspective was as a child growing up in this life without really having Christian parents and what that looked like, and especially the way our lives were, but then seeing the transformation, which was amazing. I mean, because Dad went— Do you for, remember that pretty oh, clearly? very clearly. And uh, I remember everything that led up to it, and then I remember watching Dad. You know, your dad is your hero, whether he's a good person or not. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I idolized Dad anyway. But then when he made the transformation as a Christian— and literally went from the biggest heathen in South Arkansas, North Louisiana, to John the Baptist yeah. overnight. 
Yeah. I mean, it, it impacted us too in a, in a positive way. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about that because we were talking in your podcast about how you guys ran a bar in Junction City and you were, you were young. You said that you were nine when he became a Christian. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you remember the days before he became a Christian? Was it volatile at all? Was it, was it stressful? And then after that, I know obviously there was a change in his own life, but what was that like in your home? How did that change things there? Well, I would say it was, I would say it was volatile, but that would be an insult to volatility everywhere. Mm -hmm. You know I mean? It it was a, yes, every night was some different crazy chaos and dad, you know, he, he like was finding all these different ways to make money, you know, around this bar setting. So there were fights and arm wrestling competitions. And I can remember, of course, again, I'm a child, so I'm looking up to my dad because he could whip anybody there. Well, you know, that's my dad, you know, he's whipping all these pulpwood guys and all that. Of course, they're all stumbling drunk, you know, dad was just there taking care. But I remember every bit of that. There's a magnolia tree that was behind the bar and I used to climb up the tree and I used to watch everything going on. And this, the bar was still segregated. So you had the black section out back and you had the white section up front and so there were equal evils going on in both sides of the situation. And dad was kind of there in the middle, mm. you know, through this whole process. And mom as well. So, you know, on our on our home, it was obviously chaotic. Dad would be gone a lot because when he wasn't running the bar, he was off hunting and drinking with his own buddies. And so that left mom very isolated. Mm. So I can remember a lot of times in our home, she was depressed. She was having a lot of difficulty just with having to focus and how do we go forward? Because what started out as we we're going to make some money, you know, turned out to be a terrible life. Loretta Lynn was on the front jukebox, <laughs> the right. white part, That's right. and B.B. King <laughs> was on the back part. That's right. And I'm in the middle with a pistol in my belt. And everybody's getting drunk. Yeah. Yeah. That was the... Well, what's amazing is that you just said that you lead a church that's about 50% white and black. So it's kind of, it's what just a picture of redemption that you were standing in the middle of the dividing line and now you pastor a church that brings both black and white Christians together through the Lord. I never thought about that, but that's That's exactly, that was a good, good thought on your part. And now, you know, of course, the brothers there, uh, they love me because I was a a heathen who changed and most of them come out of some pretty tough backgrounds themselves. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And still it marches on. So, uh, but yesterday we had people visiting from Canada, uh, from, uh, what's, uh, Kansas. Kansas from Florida. So every week they're coming from all over the country and other parts of the world. You know, I asked some not too long ago, a few months back, where are you folks from, you know, where are you from? He said, Samoa. Wow. I said, said, American Samoa? (laughs) You know, 500 miles northeast of New Zealand. I said, you you came a long way. So I I think that uh, it's better. If the Apostle Paul had had the Internet, I've never owned a cell phone, and I've never clicked on to the Internet. Not once. I know nothing. That might about be my favorite fact about you. <laughs> I don't. I know nothing about it. But I just was riding along on an airplane with these two, Zach and Al, and I said, "Y'all come back here a minute." I said, "A thought just occurred to me." I said, "You can get on the side of the road, American Christianity, little church building, 
and you start out and you win 75 to Christ, 30 years goes by and you're up to 100. I said, it's too slow. <laughs> I said, if the Apostle Paul had had this Internet, he would have clicked on. Yeah. I'm convinced because by all means possible to reach as many as possible, I said, we need to speed this thing up. Therefore, that's why now we have this so people can hear about Jesus, make the decision to follow him or not. It makes sense to me. We're not getting out of here. We're going to die, all of us. That's a fact. If this is not true, we're not getting out of here alive. Mm -hmm. It's that simple. Right. So I just read the script, and I'm like, hmm, the resurrection of the dead. I said, well, I know of no other book, no other religion that has offered me that in a person. We count time by him, 2,022 years since Jesus showed up. The atheists say, well, you can't pay any attention to that. But, but the world, according to Alexa on the computer, I said, Dan, Dan the eunuch, I said, Dan, call Alexa up and ask her, <laughs> what year is it in red in China? And he said, are you serious? I said, yeah. So he calls her up. Yeah. He's, he says, Alexa. He doesn't really call. <laughs> what year is it? He didn't call her on the phone, Dad. He just huh? says Alexa. And she picked it up. Wait, I'm yeah. still going. To, Dan the eunuch? <laughs> yeah. He, he, he's, he's chosen not oh, to boy. marry. Oh, okay. Got it. Got Matthew it, got 19. It. Some are born that way. I got it. I'm not going to marry. It's not a big thing. Yeah. I told him I said a lot cheaper. Okay. I didn't know if that was just nickname, but I got it. Everybody gets a nickname. Okay. So that's that. So, the, you know, there are three kinds. That, and then the ones who are made that way, a eunuch. And then the ones who, like the Apostle Paul, because of the rigors of right. preaching the gospel, he decided to stay single. So I just told Dan, I said, but Dan, it's, it's not a bad thing not marrying. Don't let, don't let anybody look down on you. True. Jesus wasn't. That's right. Okay, first sponsor for the day. And this is for all of you who, unlike the Robertsons, aren't actually killing the meat that you are eating, but you still want high quality meat. You still want to make sure that you are supporting American farms and ranches. That's why you should get your meat from Good Ranchers, just like I do. So, you know, with inflation, that prices are at the highest point that they have been in several decades and that if you go to the store, your grocery bill is a lot higher than it used to be and that includes the meat that you are buying. And plus, you are buying meat most likely that's imported from overseas. And so it's just a lose-lose situation. You might as well save money, also make your life a lot easier by getting your meat shipped to you and ensure that your high-quality meat, your better-than-organic chicken and your craft beef is from American farms and ranches. We absolutely love Good Ranchers for this reason. Plus, if you use my link, goodranchers.com slash alley, you get a $30 discount on prime steaks and better than organic chicken. So use my code Allie at checkout and enjoy your box of 100% American meat and your $30 savings. Order now to combat inflation with Good Ranchers American meat delivered. That's goodranchers.com slash Allie. So, so he called Alexa. And Alexa yeah, so Alexa. Said, he, called, he called Alexa, and Alexa said, when, we, when Dan asked her, what year is it in China? She said, 2022. I said, well, I said, call up. What about North Korea? Ask her that. You know, what year is it North Korea, according to the North Koreans? She said, it is 2022. 
We asked her, did she duck hunt? And her answer was, <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> that was what we got when, do you duck hunt? Well, I have to at least set, this, set that story up. So Lisa and I, Dad was having alarm clock issues because he likes the old wind-up ones, you know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that wasn't working for it. So we thought we had the perfect solution. We put an echo in his room and said, now, look, you don't have to use it for anything else, but it, just tell Alexa, Alexa, set the alarm for her, and she'll do it. She'll say alarm set, and then that's it. She wakes you up, and you say, Alexa, off. Really simple, we thought. But Dad got nervous because he felt like there was a woman in his bedroom because her voice is in there. Yeah, so he, it's kind of freaky. Yeah, and he goes to Dad. He says, Dad, I want you to come in here with me. I'm going to talk to this woman. And so then they decided to vet her. By asking her first if she duck hunted, and she said, I'm not sure, which raises all the paranoia, yeah. you know, for the situation. And then it's like, then they start, he starts asking her Bible questions. <laughs> it's like, well, what do you think about first Corinthians 15? <laughs> of course, you know, Alexa, she's not she quite understanding yeah, it, right? Yeah. So anyway, Alexa winds up out of the bedroom. Okay. So that's what happened as a result of that. Gotcha. She's out. Okay. Something but- about a computer breakdown. She's not getting a proper signal. Gotcha. And I just started pulling out the wires to get that out of here. Yeah. But she did answer your question. Everywhere, no matter what, right. they go by the life of Jesus to determine time. So I would think, what are the odds that of all the people on planet Earth going back to whenever they started, if the atheists were right, a big explosion, and then with the ocean, made, salt water made us, the human race is here. What are the odds out of that entire group that we count time by one of them? Just yeah, one of them. Just one. You're like, we count time by it. How in the world would you ever pull that off? I would think whoever you're counting time by, I think I would at least, you know, all the years before him are called all the years before him, <laughs> B.C. I would think he would be word of investigation mm. at minimum mm-hmm. if we're counting time by him how in the world did they ever decide that you know some monk you know uh, constantine sent him down there to the roman you know where they kept all the laws and all that and he checked into it and back checked it and he's the one that kind of came up with the date oh Dionysius, eusebius Dionysius, i think his name was and he's the one that researched it for constantine you know, in about right. 500 A.D., you know, they went back and looked and said, you know, when did he show up? Because they, he he was converted. Right. He wanted to know. He said, I want to know the exact year he showed up. So he was pretty wise to, to, to do that. I would think modern day people at least would investigate what he had to say, what he did, what he will do. I would at least investigate it. Yeah. He's worth investigation if immortality is riding on it. Mm-hmm. I would at least look into it, I would think. Yeah. You can go the medical world or you can go the spiritual world, but we're going to die, and I don't think we have the technology yet to, to raise people from the dead. I know there are a lot of people, probably most people listening to this, have heard your story of how you actually came to faith, going from... Uh, you know, uh, owning a segregated bar to now being a pastor and a Christian. But can you talk a little bit more about 
hearing the gospel or really understanding the gospel for the first time? I'm guessing you had probably heard it before you actually became a Christian. What was different about that when you actually started following Christ? What I heard was pretty well hammered. Uh, you have to hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. That's what I heard. Unfortunately for me, at 28, when the guy said, you know what the gospel is, and I said, uh, the, maybe the Chuck Wagon gang on, you know, gospel music on the radio. Yeah. He said, you don't even know what it is. Mm. I said, see, my problem is I was taught to I have to hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. I said, my question to you is, Mr. Preacher, hear what? Mm. And he said, the gospel. And I said, gospel music on the radio? Yeah. So he writes it out, and I just noticed this here. I didn't know we were going to do this. He wrote this on a piece of paper. By the way, when I first met Donald Trump, I did the same he thing. Did that? I wrote this on a piece of paper. And I, and I said, whatever happens, he was running for office at this time. So I'm a couple of times after that, but while he was running for office, I said, whatever happens, Trump, don't miss this. There's an arrow, God becoming flesh. I said, we can count. Can you show the, can you show the, the camera. camera? I said, we count time by that. I said, there's a cross after that, Trump. I said, there's a cross. Jesus died on the cross. I, see, I said, for the sins of the world, I said, you do have sins, don't you, Trump? What did he say? And he said, a lot of them. I said, me too. I wow, said, that's pretty amazing, actually, that he said that. I thought it was. So I thought, well, so I told him, I said, I have a lot too. I said, they put him in a tomb. I said, Trump, whatever happens, I said, we're the same age. We're identical age. I said, we don't have that long. We're in our 70s. I said, Trump, we're going to die. And you're going to go six feet under, and so am I. Right? He said, no doubt about it. I said, he was resurrected from the dead. I said, you can live beyond the grave. I said, it's the greatest thing that ever happened for the human race. Remove all your sin and raise you from the dead. I said, See that final error? I said, that's the return. All we're waiting on is the return. I said, I hope you win the presidency. I'm going to vote for you. I said, but in the meantime, you need to think seriously about that and give your life to Jesus because it's bigger than the presidency. I said, you can have immortality. And I started, I said, have a nice day. And I took a step back and he said, hey, he said, can I have that? I said, wow. And I gave it to him. That's amazing. And I walked out the door. I saw him a couple of times after that. I said, have they baptized you yet? He said, no, I need to do that. I said, if you don't do it, I said, I'll, I'll come up there and baptize you. If you can't find anybody up there in the White House that'll baptize you. I said, Jesus said, you know, go make disciples, baptize them. So I said, hey, I'm just following, carrying out instructions here. But that's whether he did or not, I don't know. Okay, another quick break to tell you guys about Annie's 
Kit Clubs. All right. I love this company because I just think that the product that they offer is so awesome. They've got 25 different kit clubs that offer craft projects with all of the supplies and all of the instructions that you need to make an awesome craft project. And it's not just something for you. It is also something for your kids. They've got the Genius Box. They've got the Woodworkers Kit Club. They've got the Creative Girls Club that's really perfect for kids ages about 7 to 12 years old. And then if you like soap making, candle making, jewelry making, all that kinds of stuff, they've got awesome clubs for you. You too. And this is their best deal ever going on right now. If you go to annieskitclubs.com slash Allie, you get your first kit for up to 100% off plus shipping. What an awesome deal. So check it out. Go to annieskitclubs.com slash Allie. Get your first kit for up to 100% off. That's annieskitclubs.com slash Allie. annieskitclubs.com slash Allie. Wow. I'm really heartened by that. I you know, I know that there have been people who have shared the gospel with Trump, but there's a lot of people who have supported him politically, like I have, that have just really wanted that so badly for him to see that heart change. I'm so glad yeah. that you shared the gospel with him like that. So I, I'm not a judge of any man, so yeah. uh, but I, he heard the gospel. Yes. You know, so. But it also didn't leave him because <clears throat> when Dad's uh, last book came out, or maybe it was the first one, Beth, uh, the president called Dad. And congratulate him. I just happened to be there, so I was overhearing the conversation. And he, he brought it up before Dad ever said anything. He brought He's, it up. He said, you know, I still got that piece of paper you gave me. Wow. For, but for him to bring that up two years later. He, he thinks about it. He thinks about it. He's the President of the United States. It's not like he didn't have a couple of things going on. Right. And when he talked to Dad, first of all, he said, Phil, America needs people like you that are willing to speak you know about faith and so that was his first thing he said for him to take the time with some joker like me you know to call me up and say you know i appreciate what you're doing and all that you know i'd been on fox news and i took up for him when uh the guy with the cavuto 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 said you're you claim you're a christian guy i said yeah he said well why would you vote for somebody like donald trump Cavuto said that to you. Yeah, yeah. yeah he was oh. like, you know, he's so, got a lot of bad stuff going on. Why would you so support I said, him? Cavuto, I said, so so you say I shouldn't run with Trump because he sins a lot. I said, what about your sins, Cavuto? Reckon you have a few? He said, you talking to me? I said, yeah. You got any sins? He said, it's getting hot in here. No way. <laughs> he did oh, that's funny. <laughs> it's, he said, it's getting hot in here. Well, Trump saw that. And he said, I'm glad you got old Cavuto. You know, got him in his own <laughs> Yeah. What, oh, I, what I'm saying is, I mean, you know, people would judge him you know, a little caustic personality, but I didn't have time to go into all the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, so patience, kindness, goodness. Donald Trump, I wrote in the front of my Bible, look, this is a little good news for Trump. I just wrote this down. Uh, acumen, keenness and quickness in understanding and dealing with a situation shrewdness, mental acuteness, but he was a little caustic personality. He's a caustic, had a caustic personality, but as far as acumen, pro-God, pro-gun so we can hunt ducks, pro-life, pro I'm like, yeah. and I shared Jesus with him, and he did not say, get that Bible out of my face. I don't want to, no. Yeah. He listened intently. I thought he did a terrific job. 
Yeah. Gas was about a buck thirty a gallon. Now it's, it's not seven. true anymore. <laughs> not true anymore. That's yeah. for sure. One of the most interesting and shocking to me, or just surprising stories that I've heard you guys talk about, is that you recently found out that you had a daughter, right? Yep. That you did not know about. Can you talk a little bit more about that? And I would love to hear how that was for you as well. Sure. Yeah, Al probably can tell it better than I can. Well, I think the, it the was, DNA and all. It was really powerful because you know this is this story has been played out a lot with the rise of Twenty Three and Me and DNA and you know all the different ways that people find things out. And um, and Phyllis, you know, had always questioned. Um, she just didn't seem to quite fit in her family, and she couldn't figure out why. And of course, it turns out later, you know, when she's forty four years old that she finally finds out through her son taking the DNA test just to check on his heritage that nothing fit. Wow. And so then she went on a quest for the next year and a half to find out who her... Who but as a kid, she said she would walk to the church building wherever they were. They moved around quite a bit. But she would walk as a little girl, walk in there and see, godly girl. She was. She said, "I didn't. I didn't know why I was doing that, but I just. I just had wow. to." She had a, a a draw in her towards faith, and, mm. and again, that she didn't necessarily share that with everybody in her family. And so, it was really amazing that you know she sends a letter. We finally get the letter. Dad does a DNA test. So does she. And of course, it's a ninety nine point nine nine percent match. Crazy. And uh, she was a nurse up in Springfield. Her husband um, is an artist. But they were very godly people. They were missionaries on the field in Nicaragua. Wow. And so they didn't really know much about the show. You know, they had some family that knew about it, but they never watched or anything. So when they came into it, it was more just kind of eyes wide open. Now, they knew they were – her dad was a famous person, so she realized that. But uh, we, it's been totally, for the last two and a half years, just this idea of we're getting – you know, we really learned to now know each other. Which is so powerful. Now she lives with her husband next, next door, door to dad. <laughs> wow. So come on down. Our, really? Yeah, we'll give you a house. Oh, I didn't so realize you, that. So they, they came down. When they flew in here, I'd never seen my long lost daughter. Yeah. Think about it. Almost 50 years, 48 years. Wow. Or so, 45, 48 years. She shows up and, and she, Miss Kay hugs her first. And, uh, and she turns around and sees me standing there about 10 feet apart. And she was just looking at me. And I'm looking at her. <laughs> I bet that's surreal. She walks up and I, I, I put my hands on her face like that. And I'm looking into her eyes, you know. I said, yep, she's mine. Oh, <laughs> wow. Well, what was so powerful about that, Alice, because... I had been, and my brothers had been prepping her that, look, yeah. Dad is not very compassionate type person. Yeah. He's not touchy-feely. So we were like, he's probably not going to, you know, just don't feel embarrassed if he, like, stiff hugs, you know. And then he, the first time she meets him, he puts, you know, her face in his hands. Yeah. And said, I just wanted to see if there was some of me in there. Wow. And then they sat on the couch and talked, just the two of them, for like 30 or 40 minutes while we were on the kitchen because they just wanted to talk to each other. Yeah. And But it was everything she had dreamed and hoped for. And so, but it was so amazing to us because I was looking at the situation and said, who is this man who I thought was my dad now because it's a daughter? A sinful. Triggered something different. A wow. sinful act got her on planet Earth. Mm-hmm. So when you read the text like, you know, Romans 8 there, God works for the good of those who call him and are loved by him. You say, in all things, God works for the good. So you say, 
Yeah. So we both looked at that text and she was like, I'm glad I'm here because, you know, I wouldn't have been here, but um, it's a tough yeah. way to get here. So two of her sons got married with the year after we first met them. I got to be the best man at one of them because of COVID. Aww. It's a long story. But then the second son, I was able to do his wedding because we've just built this amazing bond. And uh, so I, when I met her mom for the first time and uh, when I was leaving the wedding, I leaned into her and I said, I just want to thank you for choosing life when it wasn't convenient for you to do it. Mm-hmm. And because you did that, I now have a sister that I didn't know. And if you had not chosen that, I never would have known her. Right. And so I just thanked her because, you know, I, did, I don't know this woman, but, I mean, she chose life in a bad situation. Yeah. And because of that, we now get the blessing of, of this life together. So it's wow. all the components we talk about with pro-life and all that. I mean, we literally lived it out. That's right. Oh, the twists and turns of life. Yeah. All right, guys, the world is crazy. I don't have to tell you that. You know that. We just can't predict the future. And so that means that you got to be prepared. It's always better to be safe than sorry. You want to make sure that if we get into some crazy apocalyptic type situation, if there are global food shortages or whatever it is, that you are fully prepared to make sure that your family is well fed. And that, of course, is exactly why My Patriot Supply exists. You will be glad that you have this food on hand when everything falls apart. And you'll love knowing that your family will actually eat the food that you have because they've got such a great variety. Right now, you can save $150 on every three-month emergency food kit you order. Get one for each member of your family. When the time comes to use it, you'll enjoy a wide variety of delicious, normal meals enough for three months per person to order and save $150 go to preparewithally.com everything arrives very quickly in unmarked boxes for your privacy go to preparewithally.com before it's too late that's preparewithally.com my goodness I just uh, God's redemption and seen in that story and so much of your testimony it reminds me that when God is doing one thing, or we think that he's doing one thing, he's actually doing a million things, a million yep. unseen things that's right, that's that right. we might not know the what or the why behind for years. And that's a very like a peace-giving realization in the moment when it seems like nothing's going right or, wow, why did this happen? For example, my mom, you know, she's small town Arkansas. My mom's from El Dorado, Arkansas, and her mom had an aneurysm. Doctor misdiagnosed her. Long story short, my mom's mom ends up dying in the hospital because of this misdiagnosis. And my mom's young. She's got two young kids. It was the most devastating thing that had ever happened to her. And if she tells this story, she'll still cry to this day. Just a few um, months later, I think it was a few months or maybe it was a couple years later, she had a family approach her in church and said, because of your mom's misdiagnosis, and that really caused a big deal at the hospital and everything that happened, his wife suffered the exact same symptoms. And she was a young mom of five. And because of that, because of the misdiagnosis of my grandmother, this woman's life was saved. Of course, at the time, my mom didn't realize that that's what was happening or why. But again, when God is doing one thing, he might be doing a million things and we might not see the manifestation of that redemption for years to come. Yep. So I'm just inspired by that story for y'all. And go ahead. Were you about to say something? No, that's... 
but I did want to transition to, we just have a few minutes left and I did want to hear more about your book and maybe this is a good jumping off point because this is also kind of part of your testimony and what you've learned being a Christian since. I think you pointed to Colossians 2 when we were talking about Uncancelled. And so tell us a little bit more about that and how you kind of came to write this book and why you've taken us to Colossians 2. Uh, Gordon Dasher, my brother-in-law, we were looking at this text here, and and he showed it to me. We just brought it up, was talking about it. Uh, It starts with our new birth. In him, this is Colossians 2.11, you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature. You say, that's a strange way to say what happens at baptism. Not with a circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead... In your sins, everybody, when they when the when they see the law, once I was alive apart from law, the Apostle Paul said in Romans about Romans seven, once I was alive apart from law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life and I died. So that knocks out children being dead in their sins. Once he was alive, apart from law, you say, what, what was that time frame? From the time he was born until he got old enough and his conscience developed, mm. and then he understood what the law said because he violated it. So when you were dead in your sins, and all, all, everybody gets canceled at the beginning, and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. And listen to this. Having canceled the written code. Start with the top ten. No God but me. Don't misuse my name. Don't bow down to idols. Work six days. Rest one. Children, obey your father and mother. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't covet. You're like, oh, my goodness. I didn't even, I didn't do well with the top 10. Well, he takes that, he comes down, he wrote it, he keeps it perfectly, 100%, then dies on a cross to get us out from under it. You're like, oh, thank you, Lord. All my mistakes, you've, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us. It stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the powers and authorities, the evil one, Satan, and he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing them, oh, triumphing over them by the cross. So when God did that, I just wrote a book because I see in America this horrific uh, situation we found ourselves in and the, the, the canceling of each other, trying to ruin someone's life just because you can. Mm. Find out a mistake they made when they were 16 and hold it against them the rest of their life. And you see people who are, who are 
lived a life of sin and you say, well, you know, have you ever thought about just maybe forgiving them? Jesus, when they came to him and said, hey, uh, how many times should we forgive someone when they sin against us? Seven? And Peter probably thought he was being being nice. <laughs> and Jesus said, 70 times seven. And you look around and you say, boy, if we use the same code that the world uses, none of us could make it. Yeah. So when Jesus said, I will uncancel you from now on the rest of your life on earth, your past sins are no more. I'm not holding them against you. I'm not counting your future ones against you. I'll be there to mediate for you. Just trust in me. You make a mistake, give them to me. I'll take them away. I'll take them away. So it was a wonderful thing. I'm just hoping that our culture will say, you know, if we say we care about our neighbor in any fashion, you would at least keep no record of their wrongs. Mm. I mean, give me a break. We all make mistakes. So I'm just trying to get people to be more like Jesus and forgive each other than to hold something against somebody and try to ruin their life for no reason at all, really, just because you can. Yep. You're on the computer back there in the back, and you say, ah, I got I got one right here. Yeah. I caught him in a mistake. I caught her in a mistake. And they hold it against you for now. I I don't think it's the way to go. How about just loving them enough to forgive them? I'm sure you have sins, right? And everybody has to say, yeah, a lot of them. I said, your best course of action, love does no harm to its neighbor. Mm -hmm. Therefore, Love is the fulfillment of the law. In other words, don't lie. If you love God, you're not going to lie to him or anyone else. Don't murder. If you love God, you're not going to murder your neighbor because if he did this, he did that. And it's, don't steal. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to steal his stuff. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to mess with his woman. It just, you say, therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law, the whole thing. So I'm just trying to get America to be nicer to one another. <laughs> I know because it's a of tough the gospel. Because of the gospel. Yes, and amen. Well, thank you so much. The book is called Uncanceled. It came out about a month ago. You can get it wherever books are sold. And the Unashamed podcast, you can also listen to that everywhere. It's also on Blaze TV. Y'all have got bonus material sure. if you actually subscribe to blazetv.com slash unashamed. Um, we've got bonus material on there. We had a fun conversation. Our podcast, I think, will be out by the time when this one comes out. So uh, thank y'all so much. Thank y'all for joining me. Thank you, Alan.